Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. A man was hiking in the mountains of Colorado, and he got real close to the edge where he was trying to get a good picture and begin to begin to fall and he was saying the, the, the drop was at least a thousand feet and he was scrambling and trying to grab on anything and he was able to grab a root and hold on to the root and his feet are dangling in, in, in the air. He's looking down, it's a thousand feet and he began to yell for help, help. He said, is anybody up there? Is anybody up there? And the voice spoke and said, I'm here. He says, who are you? He said, it's the Lord. He said, oh, thank God it's you, Lord. He said, get me out of here. The Lord said, do you trust me? He said, oh yeah, I trust you, Lord, I trust you. He said, let go of the root. He went, come again. <laughs> let go of the root. <laughs> he thought for a moment, he said, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> I think sometimes when we think about trusting God, we think about hanging out over a thousand foot drop and we're gonna let go of the root and we're gonna have the fall and hopefully God will pick us up before we hit the dirt. But I want to give you a, a different picture this morning about what it looks like to trust God. What does it look like? People say, trust God. Oh, well, just trust God. We kind of <laughs> throw that phrase out there. Just trust God. Well, really, okay, great. What's that look like? So we're going to talk about that this morning. What's it look like to trust God is part of our series on Inside Strong. Trusting God is, leads to strength. Now, just think about some of the places you already trust. People of over the years have put their trust in government or maybe they put their trust in the American way of business and, and the business enterprises in our economy. Uh, people put their trust in church. And unfortunately, what we've seen, and I grew up in the years when Watergate actually became a, a thing, and I watched as the shift in our trust in government changed dramatically. And business-wise, well, you know, you can put your trust in business, but if you've been watching your 401k lately, you, you've seen it can dip and change and there's ebbs and flows. And so it's hard to put all your trust there. And even though in church, there's 350,000 churches in America, most of them are really good, but we've seen some abuses that have taken place in church. And what has happened is now people don't have the same level of trust in the institutions that they used to. How about to say, well, I, man, I put my trust in other people. I trust in my fellow man. Well, that's good if you can find some trustworthy people. And if you find some trustworthy people, thank God for them. They're, they're valuable. There was a, a lady who was um, in her late 20s. She married a man who was 85, very wealthy man. He was 85. All her friends and his friends accused her of marrying for money. She denied it. She said, oh no, I married for love. Well, to prove it, he made her sign a prenuptial that said that when he died, all of his assets were going to be liquidated. He was going to take the money, put it in his casket. He was taking it with him. And she agreed to that. She signed off on that. And uh, man, 85, he, he died a couple years later. And the grieving widow sitting there on, on the front row uh, at the funeral and with some of her girlfriends around her. And right before they closed the casket, she stopped him for a moment. She pulled an envelope out of her purse and she slipped it in the casket, patted him on the chest and had him close it up. As they were walking to the, to the gravesite, one of her girlfriends slipped up next to her and said, Girl, don't tell me you put all that man's money in that casket with him. And she looked, she said, of course I did. She said, I am a person of integrity. 
She said, I wrote him a personal check. If he can cash it, he can keep it. <laughs> if you can find a trustworthy person, hang on to them because they're valuable. Not everyone is. And then there's trusting the news and social media. I'm hoping you don't do that. I remember when, when the internet really became popular in the 90s, I got bombarded with all these scam opportunities from Nigeria and, and Russia and all these other things. And I was thinking, boy, those days are over. They are not. I just got one the other day, the Bahrain Financial, uh, some from a guy named Sweatman G. Dudley. Now, if your name is Sweatman G. Dudley and you're watching this, I do not believe you. You are lying. But it was promising me some, some of these huge things. And you think those scams are gone, but they're not gone. They're still there. And then people are looking, what can they trust? They, can they trust the news? Do you actually know that there was a time in America where there was a newsman who was considered the most trustworthy man in America? I watched Walter Cronkite growing up as a kid. And in CBS News, he handled CBS News, and he would look at that camera, and at the end of the news, he'd say, and that's the way it is. And he would give the date. One of the most trusted men in America. But do we put our trust there? Man, I hope you don't trust everything you, you pick up on the internet, and I hope you don't trust everything in the news. Things have shifted. So where do we place our trust? Aren't you glad we have a God we can put our trust in? A God who doesn't change, a God who is faithful and true, always, all the time, never changes. And so that gives us someone that we can trust. We've been looking at this scripture in Psalms that said, surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast or steady, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. Another word for that is established. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. When there's a trust in God and we choose to put our trust in him, there's a steadiness that occurs there. And trusting is a, a choice. Philip Yancey is, is an author who was in South America one year and he had to cross a river. And to get across the river, he actually had to go across this, this swinging rope bridge. But it wasn't ropes, it was vines, and these twisted vines and a wooden walkway, and it went across the river, but the problem was it was hundreds of feet above the river. And Philip Yancey said this, he's looking at that, he said the engineer in him wanted to test the, the, the strength of the vines, he wanted to check for termites in the wood, he wanted to make sure that there were no other, other bridges that, that were stronger that he could cross, and he realized if he waited till he could line up all the evidence and everything and make sure everything was settled, he would never move. And he said, you realized, if I wanna cross over to the other side, I'm going to have to take a chance. He said, I'm going to have to trust. He said, he's watching people come back and forth on the bridge. He said, but if I'm going to do that, he said, I'm going to have to take a step. And really it's a step of faith to get to the other side. Trusting God is involved in steps. We think it's letting go of the root. It's actually taking steps of faith. I want to show you in the scriptures, great story of two people who trusted God. One of them was Elijah. He was the prophet who was living in Israel at the time of a great famine. And man, the, the economy had gone horribly bad. There was no food available. And he was living by a stream and that stream dried up. And the Lord had the next place for him to go. This is in the book of Kings. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that's Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. 
And he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called out, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Just stop just for a moment. Those of you who are married, wives, if, if your husband ever says, hey, honey, while you're up, would you get me? The, it's scriptural. It's, just, it's a scriptural. <laughs> as, as surely, <laughs> okay, ladies, I need you to come back to me, all right? I'm joking. <laughs> just lost them. It said, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family, for the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Two people trusting God. When the word of God came to Elijah, that's really where it starts. It always starts with the word of God. He didn't wake up one day and go, I think I'm going to go to Zarephath, see if I can find a widow to take care of me. It was... He had a word. The Lord said, I want you to go here. So he started on God's word. But there was a sticking point to that because typically widows were not well off financially. That's not who you would want to go to. You want to go to the richest guy in town. You want to go to the most powerful person around, not a widow. Widows in that, in that day were often very marginalized. And, so, and that, so he had a widow. And the second thing, second sticking point was he was having to leave Israel and go to Sidon. And Sidon was a, they were a neighboring community, a neighboring country, but they were very much anti-Israel and very much anti-God. They had their own God. It was a fertility goddess. Horrible things went on with this group. So he's going to Sidon and he could have really kind of balked at that. Went, Lord, I've got to go to a widow and to, and to Sidon. But he went, he took a step of trusting God. Now, he had to trust God, but so did the widow. I mean, the widow, the Lord had already been talking to her about taking care of, of a man of God that was coming. And so when Elijah gave her the instructions, hey, make something for me first, she was in dire states. She, she just had a little bit of flour and oil. She's going to make one last meal. She had no prospects of getting any more. This was last meal time, and she's going to make it for a little boy and her, and then she's going to die, and he's going to die. And so Elijah said, hey, make me, make me some little bread first or some biscuits. Today I'd say biscuits. Make me some biscuits first. And we all go, okay, yeah, make biscuits first. Can you imagine as a, as a mom, you're sitting there and you're little, you're little. I think the boy was little because if he was bigger, he'd been the one getting sticks. So he's a little guy and he's tugging on mama's robe going, mama, I'm hungry. Mama, I'm hungry. I'm hungry, mama. And she had to look at him and go, darling, I'm, I'm going to make some biscuits for this prophet, and then I'm going to come back and, and feed you. You think that was easy? That was a sticking point. And the fact that she wasn't even from Israel. She had no covenant with God. She was really dependent on God's mercy because she had no relationship with God, but she believed in the God of Israel. So she did exactly what Elijah said. Boy, she took a step and gave him something first. And God fulfilled his promise to both of them. Elijah was sustained 
and so was the widow and her family. But both of them had to take steps of trusting God before they saw anything, before anything was around them that would validate that. And that's really what trusting God looks a lot like. So let me give you, let me give you some ways that you can begin to trust God, what trusting God will look like in your life. Because when you begin to trust God, what will happen is, kind of like that verse we read in, in Psalms 112, it'll make you stable on the inside. And when bad news comes, when you're trusting God, you're not afraid of what's coming. You see it, but you're not overcome by it. People look at me and go, Helen, do you see what's going on in America? I do. But I'm, no, I'm not overcome by it because I know whom I believe. And I am persuaded he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. And so because of that, I, and here's another thing I found, getting angry is not helping anybody, especially me. And so I just, yeah, I see it. Are you happy with it? No. Are you trusting God? Yeah. And so my heart is fixed and your heart can be too. Here's the first thing we have to do to, to have your heart established and fixed and trusting God. Trusting God always starts with God's word. Always. That's the foundation. In Romans 10th chapter, verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Sometimes you hear people say, man, I've been praying and asking the Lord for faith. Or you'll hear people say, I just, Alan, I just don't have any faith. Well, there's a great solution for that. One, stop praying for faith. Because if you will begin to read God's word, you'll begin to find that's how faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. Listen, anything you feed gets bigger. We should know that. <laughs> Come on now, don't, don't look so innocent. Anything you feed gets bigger. If you stop eating, you will get smaller. True? If you eat more, you will get bigger. It's a fact, people, if you haven't figured that one out. Mm. But listen, anything you feed gets stronger. When you feed your faith on God's word, your faith gets stronger. That's how it gets stronger. Don't ask God for faith. Feed on what he's already given you. That will help you. And by the way, God's word has no downside. It will do nothing but profit you. Reading your Bible will do nothing but profit you. There is no downside to it. There is no, you know, we, we, I see it watching, especially watching sports. For some reason, they show all of those miracle drugs and they go, it's going to fix this, but it's going to cause this, this, and this. You're going to have continual diarrhea, blindness, and nausea forever. It's like, wait a minute, that's worse than what I actually was trying to fix. And so the idea is with God's word, there is no downside. I've heard people say, well, I know somebody read their Bible and they went crazy. No, you don't. No, you don't. They were crazy before they started reading their Bible. The Bible didn't make them crazy. It is not going to, it is going to do nothing but profit you because when you begin to read, that's how faith begins to come. That's how trust begins to build. And then also God can whisper things to your heart. It starts with his word. That's the foundation of where we go. Second thing is understand that you have to move past the sticking point. We have to move past the sticking point. So we're going to trust God. Listen, trust, trusting God is a choice. We choose to do that. Look at this verse here in Hebrews. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. He said, but the word which they heard, he's talking about the children of Israel, did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So they heard it, but they didn't go, I, I choose to believe that. I believe that. 
I'm going to mix that with faith. I'm, I'm going to believe that word. And that word can, can, can help me because you'll have to get past a sticking point. So what do you mean a sticking point? Well, sometimes you're having to trust God when you can't feel or see anything to the contrary. You're, you're, you're trusting God and nothing around you is looking like it's, it's taking place. Or you're trusting God and it's taking a long time. And that's what time can try trust really hard. And so there's, there's time, there's, there's you don't feel anything, or it simply defies logic. You're trusting God, but it doesn't make sense. Now, let me see if I, can, if I can help you with that. A number of years ago, Joy and I went back to my hometown to start a church. And it was, it was not planned well. It was it just, it, we missed God. And so we stopped the church. This was 1989. We stopped the church, and I went to work for my dad. And he really didn't have the money to hire me. He was gracious to hire me. I went to work for my father, but Joy and I were living pretty poor. And our, our kids qualified for state-supported uh, lunches, and I'd never been in that place before. There's no shame in that. I'd just never been there before. We didn't have, Joy would skip eating some days because we didn't have the budget and the food. I have been poor. I ate so many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Don't wave one in front of me because I, I don't want to see them. I don't like them. I ate so many of them. And we're, we're living poor, and man, we can't get out of North Carolina. We, want, we wanted to move. We didn't have the money to move. And Joy had a relative that died and left us $5,000. I mean, a check came in for $5,000. Man, you'd have thought we hit the lottery. I'm like, glory to God, $5,000. I am so happy about this. I'm already spending money. I know I'm the only one that's ever done that. I'm spending it. It's come in. I'm spending it. Joy was spending it. We were happy. And I'm, I'm up late one night, and I'm praying. Kids are in bed. Joy's in bed. I'm up praying, and I didn't hear a voice, but just real strong impression that I was, we were supposed to give half of that money to a missionary couple we knew in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe was going through this massive civil war, and this couple was hurting. And, we just, and I just felt I needed to give 2500 about 5000 to Zimbabwe. When that, when that thought hit me, I went, Get thee behind me, devil. That is the devil. That is the devil. And uh, I went back to pray and tried to ignore it, went back to praying, and it came up in me again, and I'm like, oh, dear Lord. I said, I don't even want to tell Joy. I, I mean, I took the strong spiritual leader of the house thing right off the table. I said, Lord, if that's you, you need to tell Joy, because I am, I am not, not going to tell her. Next morning, she, we got up. I said, honey, the Lord impressed me that we need to give an offering off this 5,000 that came in. Joy looked, her eyes got big. She said, how much? I said, I am not telling you. You asked the Lord about that. She comes back a couple days later. She said, I, I keep getting $2,500, half of it. I went, oh, God, I guess that was you. And, and see, but here's the deal. So that's a sticking point. It defied logic. We needed the money. We didn't see how any other money was coming in. So that's a sticking point. And we could have stopped right there and said, no. But we wrote the check. And I remember when I put that check in the mailbox, I had the greatest joy come over me. It was in December of 1989. By May of 1990, we had the money to move back to Texas and to buy a home. By the end of 1990, our finances were in the best position they have ever been in. God did some amazing things because we took the step of trusting him and obeying him and when we did, it opened the door to his blessings in our life. You say, well, he did that. He did that for you. 
Here's the, he did that for you, Alan, because you're a preacher. I wasn't a preacher. I was a sales rep. I was a salesman. So here's the good news. It's, it's when you trust him, it opens doors, but you're going to have to move past sticking points. God may be talking to you about giving. He might be talking to you about serving. And you're thinking, Lord, logically that doesn't make sense. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. But if you take that step of trusting him, you'll be amazed at the blessings that will come in your life. If you take the step of trusting to come to a place of knowing, it's a good place to be. But trusting means we got to move past some sticking points. And trusting also means trusting involves steps of action, action steps. You see, guys, this is a, a step of faith. It's not letting go of the root and falling a thousand feet. This is a, just a, a step. We make a step. That's how a lot of us came to Christ. Someone told us about the gospel. Maybe you grow up knowing it. But at some point in time, you had to make an action step where you begin to say, Lord, I, I believe that. I was walking across a field in, in Carbondale, Illinois, and I'm just walking across the field, and I begin to pray, God, I've I, I run from you. I've given you my life. I accept Jesus as my Lord. You say, well, you weren't in the church? No, I was walking across the field. Some of you will do that in the church. Some of you have done it in here. Some of you do it. Some of you do it watching online or watching on television. Listen, you, you can, it, it, it doesn't matter, but you've got to take that step. And when you take that action step, there's always an action step to this. Elijah took a step. The widow took a step. There's always an action step. There's a great verse that's always helped me for, for years. It's in Peter. It says, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him. Actually, that word him is in italics. The translator, they added it. So we can read it this way. Though now you do not see, yet believing, you rejoice. With joy inexpressible and full of glory. Not seeing, yet believing, you rejoice. Do you realize that rejoicing is an action step? That's a step of faith and trust. When you get up in the morning and you say, this is the day the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it, you don't have to have a reason that you see to rejoice. You can rejoice because you believe God is good, that God is real, that God knows you, that he is helping you, and he is always with you. And if you know that, you can rejoice. That's a good enough reason to rejoice right there. And rejoicing and boy, that, and what a great witness to others. Just being a happy Christian is a great witness to others. Stop worrying is a great action step. When you say, you know what, I'm going to kick worry. Listen, you've got to be strong to kick worry to the curb. But you've got to have something that you're trusting. You're like, Lord, I've heard your word. You've spoken to my heart. I'm going to stop worrying. And worry tries to jump on you. You're like, no, no, no. I am not going to worry. God's got it. He's on it. He's helping me. We're coming through this situation. That's an action step. Now, let me give you a story that really kind of just wraps it up. It's a personal story. Those of you who've been here for a while, you know it. I could number all my stories, but we have new people in, so I won't number them. I could say, oh, number two. You can go, oh, love number two. No. We're... So let me just tell the story, because we've got new folks here all the time. I, uh, I made a decision for Christ walking across the field. Carbondale, I was 19 years old talking to my mom. She was so excited. She was praying for me. I'm talking to my mom and all that, all that summer, I'm selling books all that summer. When I come back to college, I'm living with some fraternity brothers. There were like six of us on this, in this apartment complex. It, it was party city. These guys were not pursuing academics. They were pursuing the ultimate party. And, and, and I just kind of fell in with them. I didn't have a church. I didn't read my Bible. I had no devotional life. And even though I had good intentions, I just fell further and further away from God. 
Well, there was, it was more my mom could tell it. It was breaking her heart. They drove up to college to see me after I got back. And my dad said that my mom cried all the way home, two hours. She just cried all the way home, broke her heart. So one day, she, one night, she couldn't sleep. And uh, she, she's worrying. She's worrying about me. She's worrying about my sister away from God. And she gets up and she begins to read and pray and cry out to the Lord and read her Bible. And she was reading in the book of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 44, verses 3 through 5, it said, And I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. And one will say, I'm the Lord's, and another will call himself by the name of Jacob. And when she read that, she said, it just, it just jumped at her. And she, she realized, she said, that's the word of the Lord to me. That's, that's God's word to me. And she grabbed on to that promise. That her, there's my sister and I, that we would come back to the Lord, that God would be good, and we, he, she would see that. And she held on to that. She said, well, what action steps did she take? Well, she stopped trying to run Jesus down my throat. You know, I'd go home sometimes, and I'd, I mean, I'd get up, and I'd say, man, it's a good-looking day. And my mom's like, Jesus made the day. I'm like, I got it, Mom. Chill. With the, but every time she could, she would shoehorn Jesus into a conversation. And, and after she received that promise, that word, she stopped doing that. She started relaxing. When I came home, and after I graduated from college and told her I was moving to Houston, Texas, she said, at first she's thinking, oh, no. And then she thought, she thought, no, no, this is God working. And she was real calm. She's like, oh, wonderful. I was so surprised. Wonderful. But she had a sense that God was in this. But she had a promise that she was trusting him for. So I come to Houston. I'm not here a month. And I go to my pool down in Clear Lake City. And I meet some beautiful girl with long, dark hair and a leopard print bikini. I'm like, hello. And uh, remember, I'm away from God now. Work with me here. I'm away from God. And so I start a conversation with her. She, she was a Christian girl. And I asked her on a date. And she agreed to it before she even knew what she was doing. She, I, she told me later, I don't know why I agreed to that. But remember, Joy told you she was easily fooled. I nailed her on that one, boy. I just, <laughs> I reeled her in. And we, we dated for a little bit. She was only there for a couple of weeks. And the last week she was there, I looked at her and I said, man, there's just something about this girl. I looked at her, I said, do, I said, do we have a future together? She looked at me, she smiled, that beautiful joy smile. She said, no. <laughs> she said, the man I marry is going to be the spiritual head of my house. And uh, I remember I, I, I ducked my head and tears began to flow down my face. I, I was under so much conviction. I was so embarrassed that I was crying, but I was under such conviction. I finally just said, I'm taking you back to your sister's place. And I fell across my bed and I gave my heart back to Jesus. The beautiful thing was, that was 41 years ago this past Wednesday on, on October 19th. So I love October. So I, after I, I gave my, my heart to the Lord, I, I started reading my Bible again. And I jumped back in my Bible and I thought, I need to read my Bible. So I started in Genesis. I figured that's where you start. So I read, I'm reading in Genesis, and I hit Genesis 29, and there's a story there about Jacob and how he met Rachel, but he had to work seven years for her. And there's a verse that said, and the years seem like days because of his love for her. I'm like, whoa, that's me, man. <laughs> Joy was moving back to Florida. She wasn't going to stay in Houston. She was moving back to Florida. We were going to be separated for years, but the years seem like days. 
So I related to that verse. So when I called my mom that weekend, I called her. I said, Mom, have you been praying for me? She said, I'm always praying for you. I, I said, Mom, I just want to let you know I gave my heart back to the Lord. And uh, my mom said, oh, she began to cry. I said, hey, Mom, I met a girl named Joy. I said, and Joy is, I said, she's wonderful. I think she's the girl I'm going to marry. She's going back to Florida. Mom, I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to miss her. But I feel just like Jacob, Mom. Just like Jacob. And the years will seem like days. But, you know, I told that to my mom. I kind of missed her. But when, when my mom got off the phone, the Holy Spirit reminded her, and one will call himself by the name of Jacob. Fulfill that promise right down to the end. Now, I've told this story before. See, so you've told that story a lot. I like it. <laughs> it's a good story. Because if God would do that for a mother, he will do that for any mother. And here's the, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's, people say, what was that verse? And I hesitate to give them the verse. Let the Lord give you a verse. Let the Lord give you a verse that you can stand on. If you're believing for a family member or a loved one, ask the Lord to give you something because when you have his word, then you can take that step of trust. And when you take that step of trust, even though it defies logic, even though it, it, you, you have to move past some sticking points, even though it's going to require some action steps, boy, it is a good place. There's a song that we used to sing in the Baptist church I grew up in. It said, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Those of you who are here or those of maybe who are watching online, if you're saying to yourself, you know, I, I'm not sure I even have a relationship with the Lord, but I'd love to. Or maybe you're saying, you know, Alan, I, uh, I had a relationship with God once and I've gotten so far away from him. Well, the beautiful news is he wants you back just like he took me back. He wants you back. And if you've never made him your Lord, he is, he is so open-armed and so willing. Sends are bowed and eyes are closed. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up or come to the front. But I am going to ask you this one thing. If you're here, you're watching online, you say, Alan, that's me. And I, I, I would want your prayer. If you're here, especially in this building, and you're saying, I've been away from God, or I know I need him in my life for the very first time, would you pray for me? I'm going to ask you to do, just real quickly, slip your hand up and acknowledge that. And say, that's me that you're talking to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Appreciate your courage. It takes courage to do that. Put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You wanted to. You, could, you can pray. Obviously, if you're online, I can't see you. But you can still pray this prayer with us. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. We all pray it together. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer, for those who prayed it in time past, for those who prayed it today, online, in person. Father, thank you for the life change that take, has taken place in them, out of darkness, into light, and the wonderful plans that you have for them. We rejoice with them. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you for your goodness. Thank you. 
for the fact that we can trust you. We can choose that. What a powerful thing that is. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.